We're uh, starting a little mini-series here tonight, so it's our first time. Martin Luther said, The soul can do without everything except the word of God, without which none of all its wants are provided for. Um, the focus of our, our time this morning as we enter the series is going to be that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I brought some bread, since we're supposed to live by God's word, but we can enjoy eating bread still. So I'm going to pass some around. They're actually pretzels from Beyond Bread. So there's no dipping sauce. Uh, sorry. You break off a little piece, pass it around. If, if God multiplies it, everybody will get some. If not, some people will get it, some people won't, but... If you get thirsty, there's a drinking fountain in the back, all right? I believe that the, the church in America um, is at kind of a critical juncture, um, and this has happened before, but maybe um, perhaps for the, one of the first times in our country as we really enter into a, a very different sphere in terms of people's um, grounding, um, in terms of being, uh, being in their Christian faith, even um, I think for so many, so long, our country had this at least a Christian veneer to it, um, whether people understood it or not, and that has changed. Um, I think that we're coming in a time that we'll actually really will be strangers and aliens, um, which may actually be the very best thing that could happen to the church and to God's uh, growing kingdom in our midst. And so I suspect that's probably a good thing for the church and a fresh opportunity for the kingdom of God to grow. Um, yet the church's um, movement forward um, doesn't always track with the Lord, but as the church often does, we, it veers off in all different places, doesn't it, as we respond to the things that happen around us. And the way to keep on track for individuals or the church itself um, really comes down to being grounded in God's word and needing God's direction, which he gives to us. His spoken word to us, um, uh, kind of like I, I kind of envision it like... Um, the bowling alley, when they get those old bumper things that they put in the, the alley so that you, you actually don't throw gutter balls all day. Um, and the ball bounces and makes its way down and hits something. Um, the Word of God often acts in that way. It keeps us on track because um, we veer, we just naturally veer off, whether individually or corporately as a church. And the Word of God acts like that, which kind of helps us down along that path. Um, and yet, I, I think that there's, our country, there's a great want for that. And we have a great need for his guidance along the way and along this path. Um, our first value as a church, we have five key values. Um, the first one is that Jesus is the center. The second one is, guess what? We believe in the word of God and what it, what it stands for and what we um, understand about it. It becomes our guide and our foundation for living and moving and knowing who Jesus is. Um, I think the church, I'm not just saying our church, but we could be, um, can be in danger of being adrift. Um, it's interesting that we can be adrift and not even know it, um, unless we're in his word. It just seems right, and yet we might not be. Um, and because of a departure from the word, um, and interesting, and over the last decade or so, I think it's particularly been true within the evangelical church. We always look at these other places. They're kind of drifting, but the... the um, the difficulty with understanding and, and what we think about God's word, um, there's lots of change happening within the evangelical church today and all sorts of different thoughts and ideas about it. We either neglect it or we assume too much familiarity with it or we've embraced ways of viewing it that perhaps 
uh, turn it into something much less than what it is, which is the very words of God for us. Um, so I want to get us started today in this, over these eight weeks. Um, I'm going to do two things tonight. One, I just want to give an overview of your part in this. So we've got some very hands-on ways to kind of interact with the word. So I'm going to take a, a, a chunk of our time here just to kind of say, here's, here's what we can do practically to enter into this, um, as well as um, the next eight weeks, what we'll be covering in terms of our teaching time, so you kind of have an idea where we're going. Is there still more left? Send who wants a whole one? John's got his hand up in the back. So Cameron's got his hand up in the back. Send it back there. Um, and then the second half tonight, I want to take um, one key section that highlights our, our theme by every word and kind of take a look at, so how, what should the word be um, uncovering in our own hearts? What, what should be our response um, to it as a way to get going? So let me pray for a little grace here as we move ahead. Um, Lord, the scriptures say that we're to be approved workmen who handle rightly um, the word of truth. And we would confess without your spirit that we uh, fail to do that. So as our only teacher today, we'd ask the Holy Spirit that he would have his way, that he would uh, move the word deeper into our hearts over these next couple months, that he'd um, land us where you are and not where we think we necessarily ought to be, um, that you'd build us on a good foundation so that your word can go out. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is called an eight-week New Testament immersion. And there's a few things um, that we're, you're going to have opportunity to do if you would choose to do so. So when we talk about the word, the very first thing to do is read it, right? Reading it is always a good thing. Um, so the very best thing we can do, um, it's, it's, even, it's better than being gathered together. It's better than hearing a message. It's better than anything. It's just reading the word. Um, and we will be seeing what that does to us even as we read it. So um, the first thing we want to do is um, read the word. Ultimately, that's the best thing we can do. And this is uh, for all of us, uh, hopefully, whether, whether you are in the word every day, this has been a habit for however many years or decades, um, whether you haven't read it for as long as you can remember, whether it's something that you kind of pick at at times, whatever it is, wherever we are, we all can take a step forward. Um, and so reading the word together is something that we can do as a body. So in your bulletin, there should have been a, a little blue reading guide. There are more on the back counter. Um, if you log on to our Facebook page, actually next week's reading is listed there, and it's on our website. So if you go to our website where it says welcome, it'll say New Testament Immersion. If you click on it, it's going to have the reading guide there. So um, basically, it's, there's a way to read through the New Testament in basically 40 days um, is what's set up. So it's actually kind of a good deal because it gives you five days of reading, and it gives you two days to, like, you don't have to, you know, or catch up or whatever you want to do. Um, depending on your reading speed, 20 minutes to 30 minutes a day will help you, will let you finish what's there each day. Um, so at the course of our eight weeks time, you would read through the New Testament. It's kind of a neat idea for us. Um, a big portion of our whole church all be reading through that together. Um, so that guide is there for you, just for your help. Um, like I said, it's in the bulletin there. You can do it. You can start any day you want. That's why it doesn't have a date, but it's kind of set up to start to Monday um, or tomorrow, if you want to call that the first day of week. Um, as I said, five days a week for eight weeks will take you all the way through the New Testament. A couple things. The goal is not, um, is not to get through it. Um, I always was like, when I was growing up, our Sunday school, they always had the little reading thing. And then every week you come out and you have a check, you check off, show what you read. And then they had the little, um, either it was a thermometer or they had like the desert with camels. And you ever had a name on it? So I had my name on one of the camels. 
And whoever reads the most, their camel goes the furthest. And so I'm always like, my camel's in front. That's awesome. God thinks I'm great, you know. And it doesn't really work that way. So um, the goal here is not I got to get through this. I got to check it all off. The goal is just be reading God's word. That, that's it. Um, and I like the idea of this because it's, it's really designed to kind of just read it, get the big picture of it, to fly through it. Um, but I'll tell you, if you read something and there's a phrase that catches your attention, I'd rather just stop there, take hold of that phrase, and let that live within you, than to zoom on and then you forget it. Um, so there's, there's no, we're not checking up on anybody. There's, you don't have to do it. We're not going to look at it. not going to sign the thing. Nothing like that. It's just... Um, a, a, a guide for you to use. So the goal is not to get us through it, but rather just be reading God's word on a regular basis. Um, there's a letter on the counter, and um, I sent one out in an email recently, but it basically lays out some, some tips for reading. So you can take a look at that. I'm not going to walk through those tonight, but like I said, um, the main thing here is reading for the big picture. So this is not a, a study guide. It's more of a get the big flow of what, what the, the, the word says as they do it. So one way to help with that is um, either use a, a Bible you haven't used before. Otherwise, you just jump ahead of the verses that are marked, right? I remember that verse. That's a good one. And then you miss all the other good ones. Um, or a translation you've never used before. Um, there are some translations out there now that have taken out all the chapters, um, which will mess you up on this, but it doesn't matter. You can get the idea. Um, or the verses, so it reads more like a letter. Um, or you listen to it on audio. I mean, some of you guys have on your things, you just punch it on your phone and it starts reading it to you while you're driving. Um, maybe look, read it in a different way than you've read before, just to let it be fresh and let it to flow um, into you in a, in, a, in a fresh and a new way. Um, read something every day. Um, so it's not like how much should I read, but read something each day. Um, and whether it's a couple minutes or whether you have more time to do that. Um, and like I said, consider using a different translation just to hear it in a fresh way. So um, the papers on the counter will give you some tips on that just to help you as you walk through it. Um, on your, actually, I'll talk about the next part instead. And the second part here is not just reading the word, um, but to interact with it. And I want to uh, present a few ways for us to do that as a church. Um, part of seeing God's word sink in is doing it in the community of one another. As a matter of fact, the majority of the New Testament, actually the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament, um, was written to communities. So um, there's a couple of them that are written to individual, but most of them are written to communities. My assumption is if it's written to a community, it's best understood in a community of people. And so we, when we interact with it together, we see things interact with it in a different way than we do it by ourselves, um, although both are helpful ways to do it. Um, so a few ways to do that together. One, um, on that paper, there's five questions. You'll notice they're not really study questions. They're just interaction questions, letting the word just touch you and just kind of seeing what it is. So there's five questions on there, um, and I'd encourage you to um, use those five questions just so that when you're reading through it, those are the things that are coming to mind. What, what is it that struck me? What, what didn't make any sense to me? What's the question that came out of it? Um, was there something that I really thought, gosh, that just struck something? And write those things down. So use those five questions as a way um, to let you interact with what you're reading, and they're on, the, they're on your reading guide on both sides of it. Um, and then um, even better yet, actually write down some of your thoughts. You may not have an answer for all those questions. They may not all connect, but maybe one of them does. And so you write down your thoughts somewhere um, because when we, sometimes something intersects with us and the Spirit speaks, oh, yeah, that's a good thing. It's like in church you hear something, that's a good thing, I should do something about that. And then we don't write it down, we don't do anything with it, or we write it down, but we stick it in our Bible and we don't see it until the following week again when we open it up. Um, writing it down, though, can help. 
help us just interact with it. So use those five questions. That's the first way. Second way, um, there's a discussion guide that goes with each week. Um, and the discussion guide has a, a little quote at the top, a place to write a memory verse in. It reviews the five questions. And then there are some, several questions that will specifically interact with what we do on Saturday night or Sunday morning. So there's uh, the first week's guide is on the back counter. Um, it's the study guide is also online. So if you go to the welcome page, you click on it, the first, the first week is up there already. And it's just a way to, to interact with it better. The best way to do that is to do it with somebody else. So you can use that for yourself to study through it. Um, there, there's some response questions to this tonight and what we see. Um, better yet is doing it with somebody else. So all the community group leaders have received those study guides. So if you're in a community group, your group may be using it over the next eight weeks, um, whether you use it for your whole time together. Some groups may just use it for the fif first 15 minutes, just a way to talk about it. If you're not in a group, um, let me know. If you want to jump in a group just for the eight weeks, we can get you into a group or we'll form a new one just, to, just to, to interact with those words, but you can see me about that. So, Or just meet somebody for coffee once a week and just share your answers to those five questions um, that as you're reading through it that, that helps us interact. So the, um, the five questions, um, use the discussion guide. They'll be available every single Sunday in the back, and as I said, each week they'll be online as well. Third of all, um, we, the church does have a Facebook page, and so you can request to be on there, and I will not say no. I'll say yes, you're approved. Um, I would, each week the reading list will be up there. Um, you can comment on the Facebook page, right? Um, and uh, assuming it's all appropriate, um, I would love it. If, something, if there's a, something that stuck out to you and you thought, gosh, this was great what I read, I was really, put a comment in there. Um, it just encourages everybody else to look at that. So that's a, another third way that you can do that. Also, um, a fourth way, some of you really enjoy writing, so if there's something that comes along as you're reading through this and you just have a little reflection about it, um, you've thought about it, there's a, a something, and you write up a little reflection, if you email, I would love to make that available for the church to read. So we have a devotional, right, every four times a year we put out, but it would be great if, if, if something came along and you wrote a reflection about it, send it to me, um, and with your permission, we'll send it out to the rest of the church. And that just encourages everybody else. It's like the sharing that we do on Sunday morning. And somebody may say, I had the same thought. That was great. And somebody else may say, I didn't see that. And it might inspire them. So encourage you to think about that. Let, let, let it rest in you. Um, and then if you're one of those people who like to write, write a little something and just email it in to me. The, the address is in the bulletin. And uh, we will make that available to everybody else. And then the last way um, you can do it, you'll notice a board right back here. There's another one in the back. Um, Kirsten put this together. It's awesome. And um, there will be a question every other week up there. And look at the question and just take a piece of chalk and write your answer up there. Um, in the back, actually, is a way to talk about whether you enjoyed your reading this week or didn't enjoy the reading this week or whether you're confused. Um, it's just a way for us each interact. So um, even during our worship time tonight or uh, during communion, if you go back there, if the first one is what are the, the words that, that, what's a word in the word of God that really means something to you? Um, I wrote the word food because I was thinking about food and God's word being food for us. So um, I encourage you to go back here, write that, read what other people wrote, um, just a way to interact um, together. So the first way is reading it. The second way is interacting with the word. Third of all, we'll do the sermon series over these next eight weeks. Um, I'm going to try to attempt to lay out our basic beliefs here at this church. So we're all kind of clear where we land. Um, and we have some very specific ideas as to what we believe as a church on the word, what we focus on, um, and how those truths, how God caused those truths to touch our minds and hearts. So 
Uh, like I said, this week I'm just introducing it. Next week I'm actually going to um, take a look at the gospel and Jesus from Genesis to Revelation, seeing the big picture of how the gospel and the person of Jesus is reflected all the way from the very beginning to the very end, and we'll do that next week in 30 minutes, and we'll do that. Um, we'll spend two weeks covering some pretty, um, those topics like inspiration and inerrancy and illumination. What do those words mean? What do we think about that? What are the different ideas about that, and how do we interact with those things? And it's important to understand. Uh, Jerry Bowen will be teaching about disciplines of the word, kind of how to, how to walk through the word, just how to develop some habits in that. We'll spend uh, one week on hermeneutics 101, which is the principles and practices of biblical interpretation. So we'll have a little classroom session and kind of go, how do I approach it? What are some other different ways to approach it? And how do we interact with that as well? Um, we'll look at Pastor Mike's going to teaching on how the, how the word actually does a work in us. And then Pastor Dave Drum's going to speak on how we respond to the word. What do we do with it? I'm convinced that when God shows us something in his word and we don't act on it, it leaves a hard place in our heart. So we don't hear it as well the next time. So what are we supposed to do with it? Which will be our final time because that's always desire to put it into action. So that will be our eight weeks of sermons. Um, and then lastly, um, actually, I don't know, this should have fit underneath ways to interact. Um, each week, um, depending on what you all say, um, I am going to answer at least one question um, about this whole thing. So um, not spontaneously, um, but um, if you have any questions that come up, what do, not, not so much like, you know, what about the 24-hour day thing in Genesis? I don't want to answer those right now. But about what we believe about the word, our understanding of the word. How do we understand? What is it all about? What is it supposed to be? Um, wh where does its authority lie? Those kinds of things. Or something that comes out during the, the sermon series. If you have a question, if you have a different question, it's fine, and I'll decide to do it or not do it. Um, <laughs> but you, I will answer a question. So there's a couple ways to get that to me. Um, Starting next week, I'll have some cards in a basket in the back. You can write down your question on the card. Uh, my email is in the bulletin. You can email me there, and uh, that'd be a great way to get it. Um, I can give you my phone number, and you can text me the question, which is even easier. So if you want to write it down, you can have it. It's in our directory, but it's 861-8002, 861-8002. You can get it from me afterwards. But if you text me a question, it'd be another way. I'd love to hear those. So it just helps me know what are we thinking, what are we wondering about, what are we confused about when we start thinking about the word. Because of the Internet today, there are so many different thoughts about the Bible and what we think about. They're all over the place. And so I know there's all sorts of questions. So if you have one, let me know, and um, I will take some time to respond to it. And then lastly, I just want to talk about what's our, our hope or our, for the outcomes of this. Why are we, why are we doing this as, as a church? Uh, first, I guess, corporately, um, this, this church is a very diverse group. Um, we come from all sorts of different backgrounds. Um, and there are, um, getting enough people knowing there's a lot of different thoughts about what is, this, what is this thing called the Bible? What do we think about it? And what do we do with it? And how do we understand it? And so one of the outcomes is to lay some ground foundations so we understand where we're coming from here, but also to open up an avenue by which we can talk about it more. Um, so it's essential that we should have freedom to be able to wrestle through these things together. So I'm hoping that that will take place as we walk through it. So you may agree or disagree with what you hear, but hopefully that opens up a door to talk about it, as well as laying a foundations here for the church so that we're grounded and unified together on some basic things, as well as opening up the dialogue. 
Second thing is to bring some hope. Um, Romans 15.4 says that, talking about the word of God, says this was written, these things were written in former days. They were written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We need hope today. And the, the, it says very distinctly that it's through the things that were written about things a long time ago were put in the word for us, and they're there to give us hope and encouragement. And so uh, hopefully we, um, we, we develop a heart for hopeful, hopefulness in that. Um, and, and personally for me, I, I just need to redevelop fresh habits of being fresh in the word um, and to, to hear them in new ways and in fresh ways. So hopefully we develop some habits that produce um, life for us. And like I said, for me, and I'm going to talk about this next, but um, I know I need a renewed, um, the right word is hunger for God's word, a sense of great need for it. Um, it's just really, and I've been, um, I remember falling asleep as a little kid, you know, four years old with a Bible. So it's there, but it gets so familiar and it becomes so, um, it's just a veneer sometimes. It's just there and we don't really let it touch us deeply. We don't have a fresh hunger for it. And um, I need that and I think we probably all need that. Um, you can turn to Matthew chapter four. We're gonna look at two passages uh, pretty briefly tonight, just as we introduce this. The theme is by every word, um, which comes from Matthew 4 and Deuteronomy um, chapter 8. Um, we have, we're, in our, we're going through the book of Matthew, so we're taking a little break here, but we've been, um, we went through Matthew 4, and then Jerry took us back to Matthew 4 just a little bit ago. Um, I want to go back there again today, so we should know the story pretty well. But after Jesus was baptized, um, the very first thing he says is the Spirit compelled him into the wilderness. The very first activity of the spirit when after jesus begins his ministry is he is it, the spirit takes him out into the wilderness and we know the story that he's out in the wilderness for 40 days um and he's not eating um he's not eating in the wilderness wasn't drinking either but he's in fasting for 40 days when we looked at the book of matthew remember we talked about the fact that matthew is a bridge book it bridges the old testament and the new testament and it wants to show the things that, how the transition from the Old Testament to the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And so Matthew, over and over again, is going to be drawing parallels um, to the Old Testament. So here we have Jesus going to the wilderness for 40 days, which ought to immediately make us think of Israel going out into the wilderness for 40 years. And Israel gets driven into the wilderness and left there by God because they had failed to listen to his words, right? They had failed to listen to his words. And so God takes them out in the wilderness for 40 years to test them, to see what's in their heart, to begin to produce in them a, a desire for his word again. We'll look at that in a minute. And they failed the test. That's what they happened. They still didn't get it um, when they go in. So then Jesus comes along as the second Moses in many ways, and he's driven out for 40 days, and he's out there hungry, having to wait for God to provide food, um, I think, to identify with us and to, to do what Israel could not do as he's tested in the wilderness. We're told that Jesus is actually tempted and tested ways out there. He fasted 40 days. He was hungry. Um, the scriptures actually say there that, it was, that he was being tested, um, deeply hungry, the kind of hunger that is just uh, you've got to eat to begin to live, um, where your body is starting to break down. It's not just the little hunger that we get towards the end of the sermon. Kind of, you know, I could really use... The pizza downtime market right now sounds really good. Not that kind of hunger. It's the one that is your, your body is beginning to um, turn in on itself for its nutrients and, and disintegrate itself in order to stay alive. So he's, 
deeply, deeply hungry. It's a very um, a longing to eat and a good one. Um, and Satan tempts him, remember the first one, is to create what? Bread, right? Miracle bread, which, by the way, should make us think of 40 years in the wilderness, right? And every day, what did God provide for them? Miracle bread, right? This manna every day. And they always had just enough each day as they go. So here Satan comes along and wants Jesus to do what happened in the, in the wilderness, right? Now, Jesus could have made bread, right? We looked at this passage before. Jesus could have done it. Um, the Israelites couldn't make the bread, right? They had to wait to God to provide it. And so Jesus says no to it. Um, and I think it's because he wanted to identify with us. He was going to live out the life that we're called to live the same way we're called to live it, by trusting in the Spirit, trusting the power of the Spirit to strengthen him. So rather than doing himself, he's going to say, God provides that, right? And I'm going to wait on the Father to provide. And so he says no to the making of this um, miracle bread. Um, and he uses those words. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So to understand what, exactly what he's saying, we need to go back to Deuteronomy. So if you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, fifth book, um, Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I'm going to read the first three verses and then uh, um, verses 7 through 10 as well. Deuteronomy chapter 8, this is where it comes from. This is Moses speaking. He says, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And Moses goes on to say, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you for 40 years in the wilderness. And it says that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you, and he let you hunger, and he fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And then he talks about the fact that their clothing didn't wear out. God provided all that. Verse 7, I love the end of the story. It says, For the Lord your God is bringing you to a good land, a land of brooks of water and of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you'll eat bread without scarcity, in which you'll lack nothing. I love it. He's talking about the fact you don't live by bread alone, but he says, by the way, you're going to get all this food. You have all this stuff is going to be laid out for you, this great feast. You'll lack nothing, a land whose stones are like iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat, and you will be full and you will bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. So a couple of things to note. Number one, um, note the end, end of the story. The, what God wanted to produce in them is a relationship with him that ends up producing an overflow of goodness in your life. All the good things that God wants to provide, he wants to give to them. He's ready to give them to them um, as they go into that land. Um, that they would lack nothing, that they would be full, that they would enjoy the land fully. So when he says, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word, doesn't mean we're supposed to starve and never enjoy the goodness of God bringing to us. He wants to give us all these good things. You should think of the, the verse, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It doesn't end there. It says, and all these other things um, get added unto us. And then later, another place he says, you have fullness of life and fullness of joy. So that's the end. That's what he's trying to get us to, to enjoy those things. Um, but the Israelites, like us, 
had forsaken and neglected God and his word. And so God, in, because he loved them, wants to restore a love for him to, the, to, to their hearts. Um, and a hunger for his word, he wants to restore it so they don't miss what he has for them. He wants them to enjoy and experience the fullness. So God does something about it. And he wants to revive their hunger for, and he wants to revive their hunger for the word and delight for the word of God. Um, so the whole wilderness experience was because God loved his people and he wants to stir up in them a fresh hunger for his word and his presence. Um, so he puts them in a pretty hard place <laughs> in order to do that. Um, question comes to mind, first of all, so for me, is why do we so easily neglect the word when it is so central to experiencing fullness of life? Um, I think sometimes we just take it in as something to read and to know, and it becomes this thing out here that I can know, but I don't really take it inside. and just becomes something to study, um, which is a good thing, but it's not all of it is. Um, sometimes we don't experience its wonder. We don't know what its life-giving nature is. Um, why do we so easily neglect the word? I have a couple of thoughts on that, um, and I think underneath it, underneath everything I can, all the reasons why I give, why do you, I'm not in the word for this reason, this reason, this reason, underneath it all, I start thinking I don't really need it. That's what's underneath it. I don't think I really need it um, when we do, but I don't think I do. We fill up on so much, and we genuinely feel satisfied and content and full. Um, sometimes things are working so well in life, and even things that aren't working well, we can, we, 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 we seem to be able to fix them up, right? We, we, uh, we manage them enough that it seems like I don't really have any great needs. Things are going pretty good. Thank you, God, you're doing that. That's good, but we're going all, all right. And so we don't feel as great, I don't feel as great need um, for him. Um, I don't have a real sense of needing something more. Um, and we have, um, we, we have these, uh, we built up on our surface of our life so many things that manage life and make it seem like it works that we become out of touch with the deeper longings are actually very unmet if they're not met by the Lord. Um, some of us have experienced this, and we, we really experience those unmet longings down deep, and it drives us to the Lord. But we can fill our life with so many other things, with so many other things that we become content and satisfied with that we begin not to feel that anymore. Um, and those longings still remain unmet if they're not met with the Lord, but we don't feel them anymore. Um, it's like a nibbling at um, snacks all day long, and then this great dinner comes along. I just don't need it. I'm just not hungry. I'm not ready for it, even though um, the chips probably don't go very far, but they kind of dull that hunger. Um, John Piper says this, The weakness of our hunger for God and his word is not because he isn't good, but rather because we have become overstuffed in ourselves with other things. Um, we're filled up with so many other things. We're so content with things on the outside that we've lost touch with the great need that we have inside. And so we don't go to the word because going to the word says, I need you. I need, it. I need to hear from the Lord. I need his presence. And so we fail to go to it. So again, uh, what does God do to counteract this dullness of appetite that so often shows up within our own hearts? Um, it tells us here in, in Deuteronomy 8, it says he let him be hungry. Isn't that interesting? Um, apparently in the, in the wilderness, they had the manna, and it provided what they needed, 
but never so much that they weren't, didn't quit being hungry. There's apparently, let them be hungry. They experienced what it meant. I need something to eat. I really need something. And then each day, what did God do? They got up and went, there it was. And then by the end of the day, they're hungry, and they're really needy, needing, and they can't provide any of it themselves. They can't grow anything. They can't get anything. If God doesn't provide, we're going to die. And what does God do? He gives them something again. And he let them be hungry for 40 years. It's pretty amazing. Um, hard um, and difficult. But it says he let them be hungry, and then he provided them this miracle bread each day. And so every single day, the, there's this, this thing happens if God doesn't provide, we don't get it. I have nothing to eat today. And then God comes through. And the next day, is he going to provide? And then God comes through. And every day was an opportunity to go to discover I can trust God to provide because he did it every single day. And then the other side of it is getting in touch with my gr- other great need for it. I need the bread. We die physically. We're not going to make it. And, um, and each day there, that need was developed and then their trust in God was growing too. And it says there in, 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 Rome, in Deuteronomy 8, it says that you might know or that he might make you know or realize or embrace the truth that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth. He wanted them to realize that as important as the bread was, um, there's something more important because the source of the bread was God. So the bread is important because we die without it, Right. But the provision of it, the one who provides, is more important. Um, because if I know that one, I never need to worry about the bread again. Um, if I'm just worrying about bread, it's going to be gone. Um, it doesn't satisfy. Every day they had to wait on God for provision. And they got just enough, but it left them hungry. So each day, physically, their bodies waited for and longed for God to show up. Will God show up today? Will he provide? Every day they had to wonder that. They get up and he did. It's like, oh, man, God came through again. Um, did a miracle for us. In order to move them from want of food to a want of God and his presence and his word. God wanted them to move from a want for food to a greater want for his presence and for his word. And to remember that in the end and in all of life, all we have is only by God's hands. As a matter of fact, today, everything we have comes from him. We don't believe it because we've all been working hard to get it. But the fact is we have nothing unless God gives it to us. And to what end? What did God ultimately want them to get from him or see in him? I think he wanted to get them that they thought, if I have him, I have everything. If I have him, I have everything and I can rest. I'm not sure they got there. Um, I'm not sure that we get there very often. Um, But that's where he wants to get them to realize, if I have him, and his presence in his word, I have everything. And when we get that, all of a sudden his word becomes, I, I need the word. I need to hear from him today. Um, and so then we, we were pressed towards it rather than somebody just telling us to go read it. Jesus doesn't make bread um, in the wilderness when he's being tested. Um, Jesus doesn't make bread in order that he can identify with us in our greater need for God and his word. And to have to wait on and trust on God the Father to provide every day. Um, so even Jesus had to do that. And he sets the, the, the example for us. It's better to languish in my body than to languish in my soul. Um, interesting, I've, you've seen those, I know they have them in Tucson here, but those uh, sinkholes in Florida that happened particularly. And um, 
I've seen pictures of these huge ones, like whole houses have fallen in. Um, you have these beautiful neighborhoods. Everything looks good on the outside. Everything's functioning. People are coming and going to work, and there's kids, and all the stuff that goes on. And then all of a sudden, one day, boom, it just sinks in. And what happens in us is when we, when we don't feed on the word, there's a languishing of the soul. It just begins to dry up. And we are really good at not even noticing it. And we end up with this great hollow spot inside that's desperate need of God and is speaking to us. But things look so good out here, we just don't pay attention to it until something comes along, some great pressure on us, and suddenly it caves in. You know what do we do? We cry out, right? We cry out. We're all saying, I need God. I need his presence. I need his word. And he wants us to build that so that that doesn't happen ever. To feed the soul with the very words of God is where nourishment and ultimately where all provision comes from. To feed the soul with the very words of God is where nourishment for our soul, but ultimately all of our provisions for everything comes from. So do, do, I, do we know that to be true? I think we probably do. Um, do we believe it? Yeah, we probably do. Um, I do. Um, and yet, so what do we do? We walk on our own over and over again. And we, we neglect listening to him as he says, I'm going to speak out my words to you. And we walk past it again and again and again. My prayer um, is that the Lord will let me know my need um, so that I might hunger for his presence. Lord, let me know my need that I might hunger for your presence and word and so that I'll be, have a grateful heart as I recognize your provision for all things. My prayer. Lord, let me know my need so that I might hunger for your presence and for your word. That's kind of a dangerous thing to pray, isn't it? Lord, let me know in the very depths of my soul how desperately needy I am so that I am, I am just going to, I have a hunger for your word um, and can experience his presence and his provision. Um, and a little bit later tonight as we're singing, I'm going to give you a chance to listen and respond to this. But uh, Cameron and um, Paul, if you guys could come on up. Interesting. Uh, Jesus says what? He's the bread of life, right? Makes sense? Um, the nourishment for our, the deepest things that we have. Every, every week we have the communion here and on the side here um, to take. If you remember that, um, he says, I am the bread of life. And John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. There's these great, word, these great things Jesus described as the word, and he's described as the bread of life. And both are essential irreplaceable for the nourishment of our own hearts um, and souls. He brings life. He brings nourishment. He brings redemption. And ultimately, he does that by giving his life for us. And so every week, we come around and we gather as a church around this, and we break off the simple bread um, and the, the cup, and we remember the bread of life, the one who gives us life for us. And we say, so maybe even coming up tonight when we do it, when we give thanks, you're just saying, Lord, give me a fresh hunger for you and your word tonight as I remember Remember you. Let me pray, and then we'll sing. Um, and you are, if you know the Lord, you're free to participate in our communion this morning. Lord, tonight we, um, we want to freshly acknowledge, um, as we review each week, our desperate need for you. We need to hear your words as they're spoken to us, particularly as they come through our, your word. Thank you as above all for being the bread of life who was broken for us um, to bring redemption through the giving of your life. And so we give you thanks for that.
lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen.